Hello, everyone. Welcome to Embrace the Musica. I hope that you have been enjoying this podcast and all the interviews that we have had and all the weeks when I share what I'm learning in hopes that it inspires somebody else. Last week, I shared that Embrace the Musica is now on Apple Podcasts along with your other major podcast platforms. All the reviews, ratings, and shares mean the world to me. I think so often in life we feel like our little granito de arena, that's what we say in Spanish for our little grain of sand, may not matter or may not make a difference. But every time you share your favorite episodes on Instagram stories and tag me or share the podcast with a friend that you think would appreciate the message or be encouraged, it truly means the world to me. So today I want to talk about some things that have been keeping me up at night or honestly, in my case, it's in the early mornings when I'm drinking my coffee and I'm journaling. Speaking of which, journaling has been so, so good for me these days. Do you ever have those times in life when you're trying to make a decision or figure out your next best move in life and you just can't get to the bottom of your head or your heart in a situation? This happens to me all the time. I mean, Obviously, because I've talked about it so much on the podcast. In fact, if you go back to episode 34, you can listen as I talk about the carefully crafted cocktail of life, mixing head and heart into all you do. But I find that it's almost like sometimes I don't want to know or admit how I'm feeling. And it's when I'm writing, whether it's a Google Doc or in my journal where I pull out a colored pen and I just let myself go and write, that I see how I'm actually feeling and I can actually accept how I'm feeling as well. So if you don't journal or you aren't into writing, I think it's a really good challenge or something to try as you're looking at your own life. In fact, I just started listening to a new audiobook this week that I'd heard about over a year ago and I just never got around to reading it, which is ironic given the title and the concept, but it's called Indistractable which is so timely for all of us right now more than ever. The authors are Nir Eyal and Julie Lee, and they talk about how journaling and writing is such an important piece of decision-making and how putting pen to paper can help us with processing all the things. The book dives into so, so much more, including a four-step method on getting undistracted during your day, which starts logically with a lot of awareness. And... There have been so many moments as I'm listening to this book over this past week, specifically this weekend on my run, I couldn't help but want to shout out like a church, amen, as he was reading the book in this audiobook. And it's funny because so many concepts in the book are exactly what I've been coaching women over the last year on the podcast and more in the community when it comes to time management and distractions. In fact, If you've been following along, I wrote an entire course on the subject called Do More by Doing Less that I'll link below in the show notes. And this book is so good. So go read it if you're looking for something to read these days. But back to this decision making or the way things are done. I think so often we get caught up in the way things are always done. I know that a lot of times in cultures and schools and businesses and churches or in different industries, so much of what is being done is what has always been done. It's easier to keep following the patterns of the past than it is to divert the direction of the future and ask ourselves, why are we doing things this way? Because sometimes we really don't wanna know, or sometimes we don't know how to know or how to figure out that why. 
And we can see this in everyday sort of situations. We can ask ourselves, why do we keep clothes in our closet that we don't wear? Is it because they cost a lot when we bought them a few years ago? Or maybe they meant a lot to us or we wore them that one time and there's so much sentimental value. And I think we can see this in schools around the world as well. Why do students sit in desks? Why are the desks in rows? Why does the teacher stand in front of the room? Why are so many classes still in a lecture format when we know that that's not the best way for all the learners to learn? Why did it take a pandemic to disrupt the learning or the teaching styles? In churches, if you've been following along for the past year, you know that I've been doing a lot of unlearning about my own faith and the way things were always done. And I've been asking myself all sorts of why questions. Why is it that typically men are the ones in front of a church service talking? Why is it that women are traditionally given roles such as the children's class supervisors or decoration committees? Why is it that so many people readily accept the way things have always been done? In business and in beauty, why do companies market to women's insecurities? Why do magazines still Photoshop women? Why do so many people buy into a diet culture? Why do people spend millions of dollars on anti-aging products? Why don't we celebrate age and wisdom and generosity? Why do we focus on insecurities and scarcity, etc.? Or in colorism and racism issues that have rightly come up numerous times in the past year, specifically as we talk about Black Lives Matter and the importance of representation in media and accountability when it comes to armed forces such as the police. And I can ask myself, why is it that my Latina da daughter hardly sees herself in cartoons, in books, or in the toy aisle when we go to the store? Why do we only see blonde and blue-eyed representation of toys? Something as simple as observing what's around you, and we can see that there are so many times that we can ask ourselves why. Why are things the way they are? And how can we change it? Is it possible? Or are we stuck? These are questions I ask all the time, and I find myself talking with friends about the systems in place that make us feel stuck at times. But one of the things that is helping me is the awareness in something called cost-sunk bias. I first heard this term in a business course I was taking, and I've then heard it multiple times in other business courses, podcasts, and books that I've been reading. Cost-sunk bias is, by definition, in economics and business decision-making, a sunk cost is a cost that has already been incurred and cannot be recovered. So it's like that pair of pants in your closet that has been there for four years and you're holding on to them hoping they fit again, or they meant so much to you when you bought them that you can't bear it apart with them. Yet, if you saw that same exact pair of pants in the store tomorrow, you would not buy them. It's the idea that we value more the things that we already have than potential future things we do not yet have. For example, I've been working in education for 15 years. And 10 years ago, you may have invested a lot in Microsoft tools or the very best of Apple. That was before Google came out with less expensive laptops that can do everything the very best MacBook can do, or at least everything a student in a school needs to do. Yet, said school can still be sending, spending a lot of additional money on tools because it's already built into the budget. What if, instead, we started at a zero-budget rule every year? 
So instead of banking on the things that we've always paid for and are biased because they are part of the budget, we simply start over. That's what Greg McCowan challenges us That's what Greg McCowan challenges us to do in the book Essentialism as we are looking at our businesses and our lives. Why do we do the things we do? Is it because we've always done it and we've already invested in it and it's simply a subconscious decision? For example, he shares in the book a scenario in which somebody pre-COVID days who was booking a ski trip on a long weekend in February, the trip is non-refundable. But then talking with his friends, he ended up booking a surfing trip to the beach the same weekend, not realizing his error until he had two trips booked at the same time. Which one does he choose? Typically, when something like this happens, people choose the trip that costs them more. There is something innate about us that if we spend more money on something, we stick to that decision, even if the surfing trip with his mate sounds more fun. I may not have told the story exactly as it was told, but that's the principle. Some would say any sort of membership you pay for is a sunk cost, like the gym. You paid for the gym membership right before COVID began, whether you use it or not, it's a cost. Many people, or many times, people do feel that once they pay for something, they're more likely to use it. And obviously things have to cost money to make the business models around the world work and the economy flow. So I'm not saying don't get a gym membership or don't pay for a course that will help your career or teach you something in your industry. We are wired to value more the things we spend more on or the things we already have than the things we don't have. And this goes along with how we spend our time. For example, As a teacher, if you spent hours on creating the perfect lesson plan and then find out that the content was completely off or that your principal changed the standards for this particular subject and you can just use a video online, you will feel so much more disappointed because you put time into something even if the new solution is quote unquote easier. And that's kind of stretching it, but I think cost sunk is in so much of what we do. And that's what I've been thinking about when it comes to careers, to life choices, even marriages. And I don't say this lightly, but I have seen people struggle through an unhappy marriage or even an unhealthy marriage because of that underlying thought, we have to make this work, which could come down to a sunk cost. You're already in the relationship and it feels better than the unknown future. And how many times do we find ourselves wading through uncomfortable circumstances or even unhealthy relationships because we have that idea in our mind that we're already in it. We have to stick it out. Cost-sunk bias can come through bad overall life decisions, persisting in something that is unfulfilling because we've already put so much time into it, so many years into it, staying in the same career because we spent so much money on our undergrad or our masters that we can't imagine changing lanes at this point. But these life decisions, whether it's a relationship or a career, can be so sad. If we are literally wasting years in a place where we are unhappy, that can turn into a life that is unfulfilled and it's, and it's sad when you think about it. But when it comes to money or to bad financial decisions, we struggle selling things that we spent so much money on. Or if we think of the scenario with gambling, gambling is addicting. 
And people don't want to quit because in many ways they are convinced that all the time and money they've already put into it, they need to win that back. And it reminds me of one of my favorite books actually from last year called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg that digs into the habits and mindsets and tendencies of all of us as humans. In particular, there's a chapter in that book on gambling and it is fascinating fascinating how so much of it comes down to our habits. There's also a chapter on marketing, and it totally blew my mind in so many ways how marketers are using our habits to predict our future like spending. There's a story actually that the book tells specifically about Target and about the ads that Target sends out to buyers And there was one story that actually questioned like the ethics. For example, Target, based on a certain five products that a woman was buying, they were able to predict that a woman buys a certain five products in the first trimester of pregnancy before they've announced they're pregnant to anybody else. So Target and the marketers, what they did is they started sending specific ads and coupons to the people who have been buying these five products because the target algorithm and the marketers, they knew that if you're buying these five things, chances are you are pregnant and in you know six more months or seven or eight, depending on where you're at in your pregnancy, you're gonna have to start buying diapers and crib and wipes and all these things. So they started sending targeted market, like marketing ads, two people who were buying these five products because they knew chances are in seven months they're having a baby and they're gonna have to start buying diapers and wipes and all the things. But what happened, and it's a bit on the ethic side of things, is these ads started arriving at a home of this family in Minnesota where the daughter was getting these ads from Target and she was only 15 or around that age and the father was furious he went to like uh, target headquarters or the offices and complained saying how dare you send these ads to my young daughter story goes that she was pregnant and she hadn't told her parents yet but it talks about the power of our habits and how our habits play into all of our decisions whether we like it or not and also into future decisions. So back to cost-sunk bias, it comes to play into our everyday decisions. How often do we sit and watch a bad movie until it's over simply because we started it? Or how often if we go to a restaurant, we are determined to finish the plate of food we ordered uh, because we paid for it even if we are full? And cost sunk is built so deeply into our many day-to-day decisions and habits in our lives. And yes, it is important to be aware of the discomfort in our lives because I think growth often comes from uncomfortable situations or unexpected places in our lives. So what if we do ask ourselves these questions? What if we do entertain thoughts that question the ordinary? Asking ourselves why things are done a certain way or why do we do things a certain way? What if we start from a zero budget in our lives when it comes to decisions about our future, about our careers, about about our business, our family trips, you name it. 
This is something I've been pondering these days. And as I've said multiple times over the last 14 months, there's so much to learn and unlearn. And sometimes I think our fear of the unknown or our security in the status quo keep us complacent or in the same place. So much of life is built on experiences. You can't run a marathon without training. You can't run a multi-million dollar company without learning a few basics or taking some courses along the way and likely failing time and time again. So starting at a zero budget means that we discount the way we've always done things and we look at a budget starting over, having to justify every cost. From some professional organizations I've worked with, I would love to see this happening more. Previous budgets can guide us, just like previous decisions can guide us. But what if we had to start over each quarter, each fiscal year, having to justify the costs or the expenses each year? I know this is getting into sort of some business terminology and ideology, but I think so many of these concepts can be transferred over into our everyday life and decisions. Whether we're looking at our physical fitness habits, our schedules throughout the day, our commitments, our relationships, our dreams, our goals, there's so much to be said about taking the time to really sit with our feelings and write it out, as I mentioned at the beginning, or to take the time to really ask ourselves, Is this action or this time well spent? Am I working towards the life I want to be living or the end goal? What moves the needle the most as I take action today? All this goes to say, I do believe there's justification and reason to rest. Life isn't about quote unquote doing all the time. It is valuable to take the time to rest, to take care of your health physically and mentally. So my challenge for you if you've stuck with me this far, is to take a look at your own life and ask yourself these four questions. In what areas of your life may a cost-sunk bias be persuading or influencing your decisions? Two, if you were able to identify an area, what actions could you take to change that direction? Three, are your daily habits and actions working in your favor for the life you wanna be creating? And four, What sort of decisions may change if you look at life from a zero budget instead of building on the way things have always been done? Thank you, friend, for sticking around and listening. I just shared on Instagram yesterday that I've been giddy about some new projects and ideas coming to life in the next few months as I've been asking myself these same questions. And if you speak Spanish, Next week on the podcast, I'm launching a Spanish series with local female entrepreneurs and have an amazing lineup of women sharing their stories from how they got started to who they are to who they are helping today. You will be so inspired listening to these women. They seriously blew me away and I can't wait to share their stories with you. And something fun to try at home these days We've been trying to be super creative with date nights and making life a little more fun around our house. So if you follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you saw that on Friday night, we made our own flights of beer from one of our favorite local brands. It's a win-win supporting local companies and making life fun at home. I highly encourage homemade flights of beer. It was a win-win. Thank you so much for being a part of Embrace La Musica. Hasta la próxima semana, amigos. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on Embrace the Musica. I truly hope that there was something on this episode that encouraged you, that inspired you, that motivated you. And I would love to hear if it did. So please take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram, share it with your friends, invite another friend to listen. And until next time, with heart and humility, embrace la musica.